Hallelujah. Before we get started, everybody move up, just move up a little bit. Move on up a little, move closer. Move, the kids have moved out, so y'all move in and slide a little closer. Before we get cranking, I want to go back to that scripture that Pastor Kim was reading earlier. 1 Kings 19. Something that um, came up with my spirit about that that I had never seen before until she read that. Never, never really grasped uh, any sort of revelation about it. Um, but when she was reading here in 1 Kings 19, and it says in verse 11, the Lord said to him, go out uh, on the mountain before the Lord and behold the Lord passed by. Then it says, and a great, strong, great and strong wind tore into the mountains and broke the rocks in pieces before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind, right? So, and then we had a couple things from the wind, you get the earthquake and then you get to the fire. But let's just analyze this a little bit. It said, and behold, the Lord passed by, right? Comma, and a great and strong wind tore into the mountains and broke the rocks in pieces before the Lord. So it's apparent that the Lord was not in the wind. It's pretty apparent, pretty obvious, because it says, and this happened. And so as she was reading, I was wondering, well, well Lord, what was, what was the wind all about? What was the earthquake all about? What was the fire all about? And he brought back to my, my, my uh, heart there about the spirit of fear. That here's Elijah, he's in fear. I mean, he, he, he confesses that to the Lord. He's saying down in verse 14, I've been very zealous for the Lord of God of hosts because the children of Israel are forsaken and so forth. Then he says, I'm alone and they seek to take my life. He's living in fear. And so here's God about to show him something. Here's God about to show himself to him. Here's God, actually, if you, if you keep reading the story, God's about to promote him. He's about to promote him. He's, he's, he's about to get translated. But when he's at this state right here, because fear is there too, Satan's gonna attach to that fear. And so Satan knows, man, that's God's servant, God's man. If God's down here talking to him, God's about to do something to him. If he gets what God's saying, he's a threat to me. So at the same time, God's passing by, Satan said, let me get in there too. So he comes in there and brings this strong wind. And he, he notice what it says. Now here's God, it says, verse 11, and behold, the Lord passed by, right? But it doesn't show about, you know, nothing happening with him passing by, like light, you know, lightning and stuff like that. The angels aren't singing and lighting up heaven. He said the Lord passed by, but the great and strong wind tore into the mountains and broke the rocks in pieces before the Lord. So Satan's trying to get Elijah distracted to focus on the earthquake, on the, on the wind on the fire and not focus on the Lord. And so if Elijah had allowed that earthquake, the wind, the fire to get to catch his attention, he would, he would have missed the still small voice of God. 
And that still small, small voice of God was the voice that was going to lead him into his next thing. In fact, the very next thing God tells him after this whole saga is over is, is, okay, now I want you to go down and anoint this other man who's going to be king. And then he goes and tells him, there's another guy around there. There's a guy named Elisha. He's going to find Elisha and lay hands on him, call him out. And then Elisha is the guy that's going to take up his mantle because he's about to be translated. So he was in fear that they would kill him, but God wasn't going to let them kill him. Matter of fact, he never died. Y'all missed that. He never died. God took him. So, so when it just said to me that when these things, when you start seeing a lot of activity, a lot of stuff moving, oh Lord, what's going on? That's not God. You know that's not God. It's a distraction meant to get us focused on that so we'll miss the still small voice of God. Because he knows the still small, small voice of God is, is, an, is the trigger to your next promotion. The trigger to your next, next promotion, amen. And so um, that's I was when when Pastor Kim began to read that and minister that. Wow, just lights begin to go off, bells begin to go off for me. And I hope you all uh, agree with me that hey, that's I needed to hear that. Thank you, Pastor Kim. We needed to hear that right there. Amen. Hallelujah. God's not in all that stuff. Thank you, Lord. God's in a, he's always into a voice. God teaches by speaking. God even, even corrects by speaking. By his word, amen? That's how he operates. Praise the Lord. Well, we're glad to be here tonight in the house of God, amen? On a Wednesday night, loving the Lord. Glad y'all came and uh, pressed your way through the, through the hailing rain, wind and the rain and the storm that was beating down on our houses around here and it's the dark cloudy night and everything like that that kept all the rest of everybody home. Amen. But we are here. Amen. So let's get into the word of God tonight. We're going back to 2 Timothy chapter 1. 2 Timothy chapter 1. Praise the Lord. All right, verse 8 through 12. Y'all have that? 2 Timothy 1, 8 through 12. Okay. Can we read it again? Is that all right? We read the whole, that whole thing again? Okay, let's read it together. Ready to read. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me as prisoner, but share with me in the sufferings for the gospel according to the power of God, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began, but has now been revealed by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who has abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, to which I was appointed a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher of the Gentiles. For this reason, I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and then persuaded that he is able to keep what I have committed to him until that day. 
Oh, praise the Lord. So he says, I was appointed a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher of the Gentiles. Praise the Lord. We're talking about on the subject again, stay in your lane. This is part two, stay in your lane. Stay in your lane. Father God, tonight, thank you for uh, the opportunity we have now to spend this time in your word. I pray and ask you, Lord, for the very grace that we're preaching about to rest upon me, to minister to you, these, your precious people. And I thank you that God, that every ear, every, every ear, every heart, every mind, every eye, Lord, is open and ready to receive the word of God. I pray, Father, that, Lord, that you allow us to, to understand and know the mysteries of the kingdom of God, to see the, the deeper things of God, Father, to really realize the things that you have, uh, that, that, that you are doing in and, and, and this hour and placing upon us for this hour. Lord, have your way. We receive with thanksgiving. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. All right. Praise God. Praise God. Stay in your lane, part two. We've been talking again about um, this set time, uh, the appointed time for God's plans and for God's purposes. Okay. Uh, we were talking this morning in prayer about, you know, I made the statement about how <clears throat> So many times in the, in the body of Christ, when you're in, um, I don't even want to call it the faith camp, but uh, any kind of charismatic style or uh, contemporary style preaching and singing, people sing a lot about it's your season and it's your time, right? We encourage each other with that. We say those things to each other. Believe God, it's your time, it's your season. But what God wants us to understand is that it's his time. And it's his season. And that while we so many times are left to focus on it being our time and our season, we're missing the greater story. The greater story is that it's God's time. And it's God's season. And the moment you and I sync up with God, and step into his time and his season, it becomes for us our time and our season. Does that make sense to you? But if we, if the devil gets us, and it's a trick of the enemy, that we perpetuate in the church, that we're so focused on, oh, it's my time and it's my season because we're thinking about my breakthrough, thinking about my purpose and my plan and, you know, what God has for me. But we have to think about what does he have for him? I know that's not real popular. There, again, there won't be a It's God's Season conference. But it's God's season. It's God's time. God is a now God. He always has a, He's always in time. He's always in season. God in every season is doing something. In every season, God is doing something. God is never inactive. God is never not busy. He's always moving. And what happens, it, it would behoove us to get in sync with God and to move in his season with what he's doing. Uh, I heard this said many years ago uh, by one uh, pastor. He said, many times what we're doing, we're asking God to bless what we're doing. But what we should be doing is, is doing what God is blessing. Got it? Find out what God is up to. Find out what he's doing or what he's blessing. And then we do that. Because if we do that, then there's already a grace on it. There's already anointing on it. There are, there's already a power on it. 
This is not going over well. There, there's, there's, all, there's already, there's all, God's, God's hand is already on it when he's doing it. And many times, what, what, yeah, thank you, Lord, I'll say that. What we're trying to do is, is trying to get God off course. We're trying to get God off course into focusing on what we want, what we want to do, what we want him to do, and we're trying to get him off course, and you can't get God off course. God already wrote the whole deal. So don't, 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 don't try to get God off course into doing what you want him to do. In you, through you, for you. Oh, in you, through you, for you. Yeah, just find out. Let's find out what God is up to. Get on board with what God is doing. Because what you got to understand is that when we get on God's business, on God's agenda, then our business and agenda gets all swallowed up with that. Okay, here's an example. When, when the disciples, I think it's over in Luke um, 21, somewhere around there, somewhere around there. Uh, Jesus, <clears throat> he had sent his disciples out. And he, he's now questioning them when they come back. He said, listen, when I sent you guys out, out there uh, doing my business, he says, did you lack anything? Did you lack anything? What was the answer? No. Why didn't they lack anything? Because they were out doing his business. And so because they were doing his business, they didn't have to ask the Lord, take, please take care of me. Lord, please revive for me. Matter of fact, because they were doing his business, he was saying, whatever city you go into, you know, I'll have somebody there. You know, go, you'll find a house. When, that, when you find that house and the son of peace be there, go in there and stay. I've already made that way for you. They didn't have to worry about a hotel or inn or food or nothing like that because they were, they were on God's agenda. Are y'all hearing me? All right. Praise God. Well, I can do with that what you can. So. It's always God's time. It's always God's time. This scripture in Ecclesiastes 3 verse 1, y'all know it very well, that talks about to everything there is a, a season and a time for every purpose under heaven. Because heaven is, heaven is the one controlling this here. So there's a time, there's a season and a time for every purpose under heaven. That same uh, scripture there in the Good News translation, the GNT. Let's put it up there for us, for us to read here. The G Good News translation here. Glory to God. And it's there. Well, I, let me just read it. I have it here. Everything that happens in this world happens at the time God chooses. Everything that happens in this world happens at the time God chooses. So God chooses the timing. So everything happens at this time. So, so all the things that have happened throughout history, all the movement God's been involved in. You got it? It's happened according to his purpose and his will. Okay? So here we are in this end. Did y'all have my notes? Okay. All right. I'm going to just make sure I, I did hit the send button. You know, sometimes you can make an email and you don't hit the send button. You think you, you hit it. <laughs> Praise God. Amen. So God, what he's doing, because he's always in the now, everything's happening in his time. He's releasing now, I believe we're in the end time. So we've been talking about an end time grace that's coming upon his people. Okay. We're the end time generation. Everybody say we're the end time generation. Say we're the restoration generation. Okay. So we're involved with what God is doing. 
Oh, we were talking about that again in prayer this morning. We're, we're not, we're not uh, just bystanders. We're not meant to be bystanders. We're not meant to be extras. We're not meant to be, you know, just, just side shows. We're, we're part of the program. And most body, people about it, Christ have no clue that they're part of God's actual agenda. Many people don't even care about being part of, part of God's agenda. They just save me, Lord, and, you know, I'll get to heaven one day. But that's not how this works. Okay? We're meant to be part of God's agenda, part of his program. In Psalm 110, let's look at that. Psalm 110 and verse 1 says this. says, the Lord said to my Lord, sit in my right hand till I make your enemies your what? So this is the Lord God talking about Jesus Christ, the Lord. The Lord said unto my Lord, God says to Jesus, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. So Jesus Christ is not, not the one responsible for making the things happen down here. He started a ministry. Then he went to the cross, went to the grave, got up with all power in his hand, left. And a few days later, the Holy Ghost comes, bam, now it's the Holy Ghost ministry through us. Right? You read the book of Acts, and they, you know, man, they know the Acts of the Apostles. I don't, I wouldn't name it that if I was the neighbor. I would have called it the Acts of the Holy Ghost. Because that's what they were. It was the Acts of the Holy Ghost. Because even if you read it, it was way more, much more than the Apostles doing work. Stephen wasn't an Apostle. Philip wasn't an apostle. These guys were what we would call deacons. So there's much more than acts of the apostles, acts of the Holy Ghost. Right? And so that book hasn't ended. The last chapter of Acts, you read about Paul being there in that prison and he's ministering to people back and forth and so on and so forth. But there's no, there's no real ending. It didn't say amen. Well, let me just check. I'm saying that. Let me just check and make sure. Now, my Bible. It just says he was preaching and teaching, no one forbidding him, period. There's no amen. There's no signing off. That means this book is, is still being written. Right? So the Holy Ghost is still acting through us. So Psalm 110, we're the ones that are responsible for making the Lord's enemies his footstool. Now watch what it says. Verse 2, the Lord shall send the rod or the authority of his strength out of? Zion. Zion. Now, you know, Zion represents the church. Right? Rule Hallelujah. in the what? Now, we, we've read that before, right? But look at verse 3. Your people Your people shall be volunteers in the day of your power. In fact, give me that in the King James Version, please. Same verse, King James. Thy people shall be willing in the yes. day of your power. Yes. Yes. So notice in the day of his power, it's his time, it's his day, it's his season, that the people, his people are going to be volunteers. We're going to be, we're signing up for duty. Hey, here we go, Lord. Yes. So notice when the, in, in the day of his power, the people aren't sitting there just watching. Oh, look at God go. The people are doing something. We're, we're involved. We're volunteers. We're willing in the day of his power. Amen. Amen. All right. Praise God. Now, let's keep going here. I'm just, just trying to review a little bit here. So we're talking about this grace. Everybody say grace. grace. This grace that God releases upon our lives is tied to our purpose. Right? 
And we talked about how God designed us according to his purpose. In Romans 8, verse 28 in the Amplified, it says, talks about all things working together for good and are fitting into a plan for good to those who, are, who love God and are called according to his design and purpose. So God has a design and purpose for us. So we were designed according to his purpose, right? So God made you who you are, made you the way you are. I'm talking about physically, all right? Uh, Skin-wise, gender-wise, all that kind of stuff. He made you the way you are for his purpose. He didn't try to figure out what to do with you after you got born again, or even after you were born. The reason you were born, the way you were born, is for his purpose. You got it? Well, what about the person who's born with all kind of uh, deformities and abnormalities? That was the devil. God didn't form them like that. God does not deform anything. All right, y'all the right bunch, right? Okay, God has nothing to do with that. Okay? That's the work of the devil. That's the work of the devil. People say, God made me this way. No, God didn't make you like that. If there's, he does all things well, the Bible says. Doesn't your Bible say that? He does all things well. So any abnormality was not God's idea. Okay? But he'll get glory out of it in you being healed. He'll get glory out of it with you being restored, a limb growing out. All right, praise God. Well, all right, so it talks about, again, where it, everything is fitting into a plan for good, and it says we're called according to his design and purpose. Now, verse 29, that same chapter in the, in the New King James, 29 and 30, y'all silence your phones. Romans 8, verse 29 and 30. All right, we went through that Sunday, then we with the whole cell phone thing, so let's just make a note whenever we come to church, just silence your phone. For whom he foreknew, what happened? He also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he predestined, so we start out being foreknown, then we're predestined, then whom he predestined, these, these he also what? Called. Whom he called, these he also justified, and whom he justified, these he also did what? He also glorified us. So that's the progression. Okay? So if we have been called, then we've also now been justified and we, we have been glorified. So God has raised us up to a place that is, that is congruent with our calling. That makes sense to you? So he predestined us, called us, justified us, justified us all about making us right, but also glorified, which is about raising us up. So he makes us congruent or he makes us parallel with our calling. Okay, let me help you with that. Some of y'all are struggling. Because I'm really, I'm, I'm getting this as, I'm saying as I'm getting it. Not many noble are called. Not many wise are called. He doesn't call the strong. He doesn't, you understand God, the Bible says that. He doesn't call the ones who are already great. But once he calls you, he raises you up. To a heavenly dignity, or he raises you up to the level of your calling. Right? Okay, when he called David, David was a shepherd boy. But he was called to be a king. He was a shepherd when he called him. Out there with stinking sheep. 
But what God did was because he called him, then he started raising him up. He let him, he let him go get a job in the king's palace, playing the harp, so he started to learn, oh, this is how the king Oh, they, they carry something a little different. Right? That was all part of him glorifying him. So when he became king, now, now he, had, he had a royalty on the inside to match the level of his calling. It's the same thing God's doing to you. Yeah, I better say that too, Lord. That's why, that's why you have to be challenged. That's why sometimes you got to be cut. That's why sometimes you got to be critiqued. And that's why most times it's not enjoyable. All of those, remember I preached a series one time called Challenging Circumstances? Those challenging circumstances are meant to challenge you to bring you up. It's part of the process to bring you up because, see, most of you in the body of Christ, I'm talking to people online so y'all don't get offended. Most of you in the body of Christ all over the world are, are, not, are not ready for your calling. But he doesn't call you when you're ready. He readies you when, you, when he calls you. You understand that? You, you weren't ready when he called you. So he called you first, but then he sends along, uh, you know, uh, a woman of God. Man of God. Another piece of iron that's tougher than you. So iron can sharpen iron to make you ready for the time when it's time for you to move into your call. Until the... Till David's word came to pass, the word of the Lord tried him. Right? That's what the Bible says. Joseph, Joseph, until the time for his word to come to pass, the word of the Lord tried him, tested him, proved him, sharpened him, cut off the edges, got him, got him ready. So that's what God is doing. So, so don't, don't, don't resist when God is challenging you, when God sends an abrasive or harsh word or even a harsh person. Don't resist that because it's part of what, what's being, uh, it's to help form you. Remember I gave you that scripture Sunday in Ephesians 4, verse 11, about him giving apostles and prophets and evangelists, pastors and teachers. It says, for the equipping of the saints. That word equipping is actually the Greek word uh, katartizo, which is, which is about, about uh, perfecting. It, is, it really, literally means to make a person something that they ought to be. That's literally what the word means. It means to make a person something that they ought to be. So he has to put men and women of God in your life to help make you what, to, what you ought to be. Because you ain't that yet. Even in the world, you might be all that in a bag of chips in the world, but God ain't that that, that ain't that ain't nothing compared. This ain't that. The calling of your life is greater than even what you're doing in the world. When you get to heaven and stand before God, He's not gonna judge you on, on, what, on whether you're a great scientist or whether you're a great engineer, whether you're a great businessman. He's gonna judge you on did you do what I called you to do. It might involve those things, but it's more than those things. So you got to have a man or woman of God, men and women of God in your life. It may be several who he uses. Are you following what I'm saying to you? Praise. That's why the Bible says, do not despise the chastening of the Lord. Don't despise the chastening of the Lord. 
that chastening, that, that, that corrective education is about so we can become what God called us to be. Y'all got that? Praise the Lord. So you understand why God said take the brakes off? Take the gloves off? Because that means he's trying to rough you up to make you into what you want you to be. That means God must have big plans for you all this year. <laughs> praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. Hope y'all got all that. Because I don't remember any of it. Praise God. All right. Second Timothy chapter one. Second Timothy one. Hallelujah. Everybody say there's a calling on my life. So tell your neighbor, God's using me. Hallelujah. Isn't that interesting? Because, because the devil tries to convince you you're not usable. Isn't it interesting? The devil wants to convince you that you're not usable. You're of no use to God. Well, look what you did and look where you came from. And you know, you got a record and you got a history and you used to do this and you used to do that. And you used to flipping, tipping, tripping, dipping, sipping, all that kind of stuff. He's going to tell you all about your little, your little, you know, secret closet. It's all to convince you that you're not usable. But if God can use a donkey. And he did. And he did. <laughs> and certainly. All right. Okay, 2 Timothy chapter 1. We've been, we looked at how, again, verse 9 says, he saved us and called us. Everybody say saved and called. Saved and called. Okay. With a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace. Everybody say purpose and grace. Purpose and grace. So we know that purpose and grace go together. Yes, sir. Right. Then we dealt with also the part it talks about, uh, which was in, given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. Everybody say before time began. Before time All right. So we know then that our calling doesn't come after we get born again. It doesn't come after we um, give our lives to Christ. It comes before that. It's before time began. And then we know if that's the case, it wasn't based on our works. That's what he said, not based on our works. You hear that? I mean, let's think about it. God always seems to find and use the least likely people. I'm, I'm always very careful about how I, you know, judge people. It's because I always say, you know what? You never know. That might be the very one God raises up. See, I don't know. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know God's future for their life. That might be the, very, the, one, the one that can't hardly talk. I mean, I know a guy in Darrow, man, who can't conjugate verbs and, you know, don't know a dangling part of simple from a hanging chad. But, right? But the very one God used, uses to bring a revelation of financial prosperity to this planet. You see, you don't ever know who God's going to use. Hallelujah. It has nothing to do with your works here. You already called. And we told you Sunday then, if that's the case, then the calling doesn't, doesn't, is not, you're not released from your calling if you mess up. Right? The gifts and callings of God are without repentance. Okay, let's add something to that too then. So then, 
not only are you not released from this call if you, if you mess up, but you can't be released from this call, period. That's what he just said to me, I was standing there. You can't ever be released from this call. If they're, if they're without repentance, you can never be released from God's call in your life. Because if that was the case, D, that would, that would be the equivalent of now of me taking a hammer and taking my hammer and saying, I'm going to retire that hammer and I'm not going to use it as a hammer no more. I'm going to use it as a screwdriver. But it wasn't formed to drive screws. I ain't going to use my screwdriver no more as a, as a screwdriver. I think I'm going to use the hammer stuff. It's going to break because it wasn't formed. See, it was designed to be that. You see, so you and I can never be released from our calling. I don't care. You can change churches. Your calling's going to follow you right down the street to the other church. <laughs> you can change cities. Change jobs, change spouses, change careers, and the call is going to follow you right down the street. Because it's without repentance. You can decide, I'm going to change religions. You still don't get out of your calling. It's irrevocable. <laughs> Y'all don't like that part. That's the word right there. All right? Because you were formed for that purpose. All right. <clears throat> now, let's look at this here specifically here. Verse 11. I got I to book it. Says, or verse 10, but has now been revealed by the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who has abolished death, thank you, Lord, and brought life and immortality to the light, thank you, Lord, through the gospel. Hallelujah. To which I was appointed. Now Paul is about to spell out his lane assignment. Y'all know about when people running, you know, track, and they all used to run track. You used to run track. Who else used to run track? You used to run track. You used to run track. You used to run track. You run track. Which one of y'all think y'all the fastest now? But Dwight said he the fastest. He got all y'all. I don't know, boy. We, we got a street out there, out front. You didn't bring your shoes. Oh, that's the problem. Okay, we'll, all right, we'll, we'll schedule another time later on. Another time where everybody has, their, has the proper shoes. We don't want nobody. Because some of y'all might get barefoot out there like old school. But you know, when, when you ran track, you were, you were assigned to a lane. And to get out of your lane disqualified you. Didn't matter how fast you were. So it's very important then that you know your lane. And then stay in your lane. So Paul lays out what his lane is. What his assignment is, right? He says, to which I was appointed a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher of the Gentiles. Glory to God. Matter of fact, 
I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to spell out to you, even within him being on that track here, this just, just came to me here. And let's go to Ephesians 3.8. And let's specify even more, more specifically <laughs> his lane. Because he just said, a preacher, apostle, teacher of the Gentiles. Well, what are you going to preach? He's going to preach about uh, end time prophecy. Well, let's look. Ephesians 3 verse 8. He says, to me, who am less than the least of all the saints. Notice he's saying, I'm the least qualified guy to, be, to get this calling. I told you, don't ever judge anybody about these natural things here. He says, this grace was given to me that I should preach among the Gentiles. He's a, the right group. But here's my message. The unsearchable riches of Christ. Specifically, that's my lane. <laughs> now, he might have talked about healing over here. He might have talked about, you know, uh, uh, prophetic times over here. He might have said a few things over here. But my lane, he said, was to preach to them the unsearchable. In fact, get that amplified. Y'all know I like to amplify on that, right? Give me amplify Ephesians 3, verse 8. Let's see. To me, through, though I'm the very least of all the saints, God's consecrated people, this grace, favor, privilege was granted and graciously entrusted to proclaim to the Gentiles the unending, boundless, fathomless, incalculable, and exhaustless riches of Christ, wealth which no human being could have searched out. My God. He said, I'm, I'm a prosperity preacher to the Gentiles. That's my lane. Now, once you know that, there's a fight to stay in it. That's what I want to try to show you tonight. You got, you got it, but you got to get in the stay in it. Glory to God. Hallelujah. All right, now. So he says, go back to 2 uh, Timothy uh, uh, 1, 11. So I was appointed. Everybody say appointed. He says, a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher. Now, some of y'all been through my ground school class. What do preachers do? There's another word. Proclaim. There you go. Somebody got it. Proclaim. Proclaim. What does a teacher do? Explain. Very good, class. Very good. Some of y'all is like, start it off, Pastor. Start it off. <laughs> Preachers proclaim. Teachers explain. He said, I'm both. Some of y'all from the hood, I'm both. He said also, though, I'm an apostle. <laughs> both, both of them. Both of them. Kirk and I used to both of them. B O F U E M, both of them. But also an apostle means he's sent by God. He's sent by God to the, to the Gentiles to preach, proclaim, to teach, and explain what we just saw was this mystery. To preach the unending fathomless, unsearchable riches of Christ. Wealth was no man could have searched out. Incalculable. Now that's his lane. Y'all got it? So he's very clear on his, on his calling. Very clear on his purpose. Very clear on his lane. Now I'll, let's go back and, tra and track Paul's beginning. 
Because we got to see how he got here. All right. Can we do that? Acts chapter nine. Acts nine. We all hear about Paul, you know, now what he's doing. But let's look at at how how the young fellow started out. Acts nine. Because because this is this is a this is critical to his lane assignment. Acts nine. Let me let me. Uh, I, I got a few minutes. Um, ver, I'll just start at verse one. Is that okay? Yes. Then Saul, still breathing threats and murder. He's got death on his breath. He's still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord. Went on went to the high priest and asked letters from him to the synagogues of Damascus so that he, if he found anyone, any who were of the way, he gonna go right up in the church. Whether men, he gonna punch an usher right in the, right in the gut. Whether men or women, he's indiscriminate. Come on now. He's not playing here. He might bring them bound to Jerusalem. As he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly a light shone around about, about him, round him. I'm going King James. Light shone around him from heaven. Then he fell to the ground and, said, and, and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? That's in red, right? Verse 5. And he said, Lord, who are you? He said, who are you, Lord? Then the Lord said, I am Jesus. This is in red. Whom you are persecuting, it is hard for you to kick against the golds or kick against, in the King James, the prick. What is a prick? What's a gold? It's a, it's a, it was a, a device used to prod animals. It's a prick. It's, it's tick them. Stick them. You know, get, get, your, get your herd moving. Okay? All right. So some translations talk about thorns, but it's really, a, it was, a, it was a, a tool. Okay? So to kick against that, it's hard. It hurts. And God is saying, man, you're hurting yourself. You're out, you're, you're, because Paul saw, we know him as by here. He thinks he's doing God's work. You understand what Jesus Christ had said earlier when he was still on the planet? He had said, when men, they'll go about persecuting you, throwing you in jail, putting you to death, and they think they're doing God's work. So Paul, Saul, thinks he's doing God's work. He's all in. I mean, he's a firecracker about it, too. But the Lord says, no, you're, you're, it's hard for you to do this here. Verse 6. So he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, here it is. What do you want me to do? What's my lane? What's my assignment? What's my calling? Isn't, it, isn't this interesting? He has this, this such, such a, a, a harrowing encounter with God. He's left with one question. What do you want me to do? My prayer for you is that you all, every one of us in the body of Christ will have this same kind of dynamic encounter with God that it'll leave us with one question. Lord, what do you want me to do? Because it's there that you get your assignment. It's there that you get your calling. It's there that you'll find your purpose. It's not traveling to Timbuktu. It's not traveling to Mecca. It's not traveling to Atlanta. It's not going somewhere trying to find purpose in some conference. It's not there. It's not trying to different cities. It's not taking 10 weeks off from your job and traveling in some old nasty stinking van. 
That's what people do trying to, I'm, I'm just, I'm trying to find myself. Find yourself. The Bible says Jesus found himself in the scriptures. He found himself in the scriptures. And if you're born from God, just like he's born from God, you're going to find yourself in the scriptures. I mean, matter of fact, it's very dangerous, ladies and gentlemen, when we send our kids to college, whether they go away, they stay here locally. On college campus, one of the whole things they want to do is try to get, get our kids to find themselves. And teach them humanities and philosophy and ethics and everything, these classes, world religion, to help them find themselves. And our kids come back crazy. Confused. No idea who they are, no idea what they believe anymore. I don't get, you, you ain't got to send them off. They can be right. Matter of fact, they can be in high school, ladies and gentlemen. In kindergarten, they got them exploring stuff, trying to find out who they are. The Bible says he found himself in the scriptures. That's why at 12 years old, he was able to sit there in, a, in the temple with scholars and, and, and doctors and lawyers to sit there and say, hey, check this out. The Bible says in, in the, I think it's the 24th chapter of Luke, when uh, Jesus, y'all ever heard of him being on the road to Emmaus? One of those chapters in the, after the resurrection. And it talks about how he was walking with these two men along the road to Emmaus. And the Bible says that he stopped and he, he started teaching them about himself from the, book of, from the books of Moses all the way through the prophets. He walked through the book with them and showed them him. He showed them him. That means, see, you return to Jeremiah right there. He said, that's me. You know that will in the middle of the will? He said, that's me. Turn the book of Daniel. He said, turn the book of Daniel. Open in your Bible's book of Daniel. He turned the book of Daniel and say, see that man in the fire? That was me. Book of Joshua, that, 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 that captain of the host comes and meets Joshua on his way out there through, uh, past Jericho. He said, boom, that's me right there. You see that man that shows up there to Abraham and Sarah when they're talking about having a baby, that man shows up with the two angels and said, that's me right there. See, he's going through the word and saying, because he spent time finding himself not out on a mountain somewhere, not doing yoga. Come on, find me. Y'all better stop that foolishness. Trying to find my, my, my position. Uh, you better stop. You're doing Hindu worship with your foolish self. You Hindu now? That's Hindu worship, ladies and gentlemen. Yoga. So if you're not going to do yoga, you're not Hindu, stop wearing the yoga pants. All right, we'll get you some. All right, just put on. Put on some clothes. Dress like you're going somewhere. Dress like, dress like you got a heavenly dignity condition or state of being. That's just, I'm just saying, I'm just saying. Okay, let's get back on point, D. You're getting me way off, D. Let's get back on point here. So we copying the world, trying to be like the world. We're supposed to be, be, a, be a, in a position for the world to copy us. The world is supposed to be copying us, not us copying the world. Right. 
I ain't talking about any of y'all because I don't know what y'all wear. I don't see none of y'all out of here outside of here. So I don't ain't I don't know, but you know. I don't know. I don't know nothing about you. But I'm praying that we all have an encounter with God like Saul did to the point where he says, what do you want me to do? He says, the Lord said to him, arise, go into the city and you'll be told what you must do. You're going to get your assignment. I'm going to give you your assignment. You ain't got to figure it out. I'm going to give you your assignment. Verse, verse 7. And the men who journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice, but seeing no one. Because this was for him. <laughs> then Saul arose from the ground, and when his eyes were open, he saw no one. Mm-hmm. But they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And he was three days without sight. So he can't see anything physically. But I guarantee you, in his spirit, he's seeing all kind of stuff. He's, I guarantee he's recounting all the people he's dragged into the, out of the church. He's recounting that day he was, he was at the, the martyr of Stephen. And there he's recounting that day about how he was holding everybody's coats for him. And how he's cheering them on as they were, they were beating Stephen and throwing stones at Stephen. He's probably recounting that day. He's looking, thinking about how Stephen was looking up into heaven and seeing something. They couldn't see what he saw. But I can guarantee you while he's blind here physically, he's seeing what, what Stephen saw. Now watch this. This, this, is, this is another little tidbit here. Put this in your pocket. Neither ate nor drank. Three days. I want to know how bad do you want to know your assignment? <laughs> no, I mean, I'm talking about how bad do you really want to know what God has for your life? I can tell by y'all, y'all exuberance that. <laughs> what I'm talking about here, it says he was three days without sight. And neither ate or, nor drank. That means three days. He's fasting for purpose. He's fasting for his calling. He's fasting for clarity on what's my lane, what's my assignment. God, what do you want me to do? <laughs> this, is, well, this is a hard thing right here, ladies and gentlemen. How bad do you want to know? See, because... I won't have time to preach it all night. But because if we don't get clarity, if we don't get specifics, we will be all over the place trying, attempting, experimenting over here. Try this for five years. Try this for three years. Try this for six months. Try this for 18 days and all over here and moving here, moving there and shifting this and shifting that around and everything, wasting money, wasting time, wasting talent, wasting resources, all that kind of stuff because we never took just three days. Uh, I hear somebody say, oh, Pastor, I didn't do that at the beginning. Okay, you can start now. I got one right. I'm saying, it, it, <laughs> I'm not picking on you. 
I mean, prior to, to preparing for this message, I had even, even, I'd never even given that any second thought about neither eating or drinking. I, I just knew he was three days he couldn't see. That's all. I, I never even heard anybody even talk about the fact he had never eaten or drinking, drank anything. All I've heard people talk about was three days he couldn't see. Because the man of God comes three days later and he receives his sight. But it says he didn't eat or drink. What's the reason? God didn't do anything to his appetite. He had a, he had a, a sight issue. Wasn't, but he's so, he had such a, such a powerful encounter with God. He is such, he has such recognition of him having been on the wrong course his whole life. Come on, just help me out. How, how many of y'all remember when you, when you first got saved? I mean, you, when you really got saved. Well, I'm talking about that for real, for real time you got saved. You kind of were stunned for a couple days. You were just, wow, something happened to me. Me, I, and, and for me, I remember I've been in church my whole life. But when I got saved, I was like, whoa, something, something happened to me. It was so, such a stunning event that I, I mean, I couldn't like go hang out with my friends. I was, I mean, this, this, this passionate fire came on me. I was, got saved in February. I was preaching the gospel in April. I mean, literally preaching the gospel. Like in a pulpit. Now I mean like on the street, you know, or in the school telling my friends about Jesus Christ. I'm literally in a pulpit preaching the gospel. I was, I was so stunned by what happened to me. Wow. This is, this is beyond religion. This is beyond being a church member. This is beyond being a preacher's kid. This is, this is, this is real. This was something happened to me on the inside of me. Oh, man. I pray that this happens to every one of you in this place. I pray that you have such a stunning experience that it'll, it'll knock you off your feet for three days. Because it'll be then you'll discover your purpose, your calling, and your assignment, and your life will be, begin to take on real meaning from that day forward. Because many of you may discover you've wasted a lot of time. Oh, no, you've done great things. You've had fun. You've, you know, you've accomplished much. But I'm talking about what you're going to be judged for. I'm talking about the reason why God formed you. And some of you may not even discover it till you're 80. Come here, Moses. <laughs> I pray that you don't wait to 80. But what I'm saying is, even if it's at 80, the moment you discover it, take off your shoes for the ground. You're standing on this holy ground. Oh my God, I have an encounter. Oh my God, to the point... Honey, I got to leave. I got to go back and face my past. <laughs> I've, I've got a calling on my life that won't let me stay out here with all the sheep and the goats and everything I've been out here with. See? And this has to, this has to happen for every person who's going to fulfill God's purpose in their lives. Three days, he went without it. 
Y'all with me? Can I keep going? Verse 15, after the Lord got through to Ananias, watch what verse 15 says. But the Lord said to him, said to Ananias, go, for he is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel. So guess what happens when Ananias comes to speak to, to Saul, what does he tell him? The same thing God just told him. So from the jump, now Saul is getting his marching orders right from Ananias. Then what happened, look down here in verse um, uh, 18, a middle of there fell from his eyes something like scales, and he received his sight at once, and he arose and was baptized. So when he had received food, he was strengthened. Then Saul spent some days with uh, the disciples at Damascus. Y'all got it? Okay, now, 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 wait a minute, no, don't, don't go, don't, 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 don't get ahead of me. <clears throat> Verse 15 says, go, He's a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before who? Gentiles. Before who? Gentiles. Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel. Okay, but we, we know God put first things first. Gentiles. So his dominant assignment is to the Gentiles. Got it? Now, they were calling out over here in this corner, verse 20. Verse 20 says, now he's, he's there with the Jews. Immediately he preached the, preached the Christ in the synagogues, Jewish, Jewish synagogues there in Israel, that he is the son of God. So from the moment he gets his charge, he charges right out into his lane. Boom, as soon as the gun, you know how a, they shoot the gun off at the beginning? Pow, he takes off, boom. He's running, boy. He's running in his assignment. He's running, running, he's running, running in, in this wide path. But Gentiles. Gentiles. Everybody say Gentiles. So what God has to do with him is God has to work with him to, to narrow down. Are y'all hearing me? When, when I first started preaching, I preached everything. everything. Uh -huh. I mean, I'm just, I'm eating up the whole Bible. Boy, I'm just sitting in front of the Bible. I'll be at work just reading the Bible. I just, I mean, boom, between customers, I was a barber. Between customers, I was sitting reading the Bible all the time. Go home, not going out my friends and reading the Bible. Boy, I'm just in the Bible, in the Bible. But I'm, I'm preaching everything. I'm preaching every doctrine that's in there. I'm preaching, uh, I'm preaching end time prophecy. Man, I'm preaching, you know, about, about Jesus working miracles and everything. You know, I, I didn't really, I ain't no faith, you know, but I'm, I'm preaching, I'm preaching every Sunday school lesson I've ever learned. I'm way, I, I'm, I'm running, I'm on the right track. I'm on the right track. But I'm not in, yet in my lane. Now, God applauds you for getting on the right track. Go. But as you're running, what he's going to do is help get you now from just being on the right track to get you now in your right lane. Everybody say, stay in your lane. 
All right, so, okay, so he, he, he goes out, man, boom, verse 20. Immediately he preached to Christ in the synagogues that he is a son of God, preaching all these Jews to the Israelites. Right? Okay, now, God has to nudge him. Now, in, in chapter 9, verse 15, verse 20, he's preaching now in his, in his, in his, in, on the track. But let's go to Acts 13. Acts 13. He's preaching. Everybody say he's preaching. he's preaching. Verse 42. I'm going to show you how God works with you. I'm going to show you. I'm gonna, this, this is going to help at least 25% of you here. Acts 13, 42. So when the Jews went out of the synagogue, this is where Paul's preaching now, in Antioch where they're called Christians first. The Gentiles beg that these words might be preached to them the next Sabbath. Who's begging? The Gentiles. The Gentiles are begging. Because the Gentiles are pulling on something. Assignment is calling him. His lane is drawing him. His, his, his purpose is pulling on him. It didn't say the Jews were begging. He's preaching to the Jews. But the Gentiles are begging that for him to preach. Hey, man, preach this to us on the next Sabbath. Verse 43, when the congregation had broken up, many of the Jews and devout proselytes followed Paul and Barnabas, who, speaking to them, persuaded them to continue in the grace of God. Verse 44, the next Sabbath, this is what the, what the, the Gentiles were begging for. Almost the whole city came together to hear the word of God, the whole city. Now, who, who, who pulled this meeting off? The Gentiles. I want you to understand how God will begin drawing you into your purpose, drawing you uh, into your assignment. He says here, it says here, verse 45, but when the Jews saw the multitudes, they were filled with what? Envy. Envy and contradicting and blaspheming, they opposed the things spoken by Paul. Everybody say rejection. rejection. Then Paul and Barnabas grew bold and said, it was necessary that the word of God should be spoken to you first. What does he mean spoken to them first? I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, but it's the power of God and salvation. Everyone who believes first to the Jews, then to the Gentiles. Romans 1.16, right? So, but watch. But since you reject it and judge yourselves unworthy of everlasting life, behold, watch this, we turn to the Gentiles. Now what got Paul to turn to the Gentiles. Rejection. I'll come over here. What got Paul to turn to the Gentiles? Rejection. So many times in the body of Christ, we have gotten oh, fallen apart by rejection. <laughs> and don't understand that rejection 
many times is God's direction. Here, here's, he's preaching to Jews. But remember, the first, the first order was Gentiles. Your primary assignment was Gentile, which means, okay, Paul, you can preach to the Jews if you want to, because you know I love them, I want them to hear the gospel. But your, your calling on your life, Paul, is to the Gentiles. So here's Paul, he deals with rejection, and he says, you know what? Bump y'all. <laughs> I'm going to go and we're going to turn to the Gentiles. Watch this. Now watch. Watch verse 47. For so the Lord has commanded us. What? That means you already had it in your mind or your spirit, Paul. What are you supposed to be anyway? He says, for so the Lord has commanded us. I have set you as a light. Come on. To the Gentiles that you, you should be for salvation to the ends of the earth. Now watch, watch. Now remember he just dealt with rejection from the Jews, but watch verse 48. Now when the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and glorified the word of the Lord. The Gentiles said, yes. See, you're, those, that are, those that, that, are, that you're assigned to are going to receive. They're going to draw you. God's going to draw you. So even when you deal with rejection, don't let the rejection frustrate you. Let it focus you on, okay, let me get over here. Because what, what you'll find is your lane is going to become easy. Oh, man. Are y'all hearing that? Okay. Okay. 15, they go back to Jerusalem. They're going to have the big old meeting with the saints and all that, with the apostles and so forth. All right. Go to chapter 16. Sixteen, verse six. Now, when they had gone through the, now when they had gone through Phrygia and the region of Galatia, they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. After they had come to Mysia, they tried to tried to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit did not permit them. So, passing by by Mysia, they came down to Troas, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia stood and pleaded with him, saying, "Come over here, over to Macedonia and help us." Now, after he had seen the vision, the vision, everybody say vision. vision. Immediately we sought to go to the Macedonia, concluding that the Lord had called us to preach the gospel to them. Now, these are all Gentiles, but God's getting him in a particular region now. Paul comes on later on, he's writing to the church of Corinthians and said, listen, I'm not going to preach beyond my sphere. I won't preach beyond my region. I won't preach in another man's region. Um, t- uh, my wife, was, we were talking about that the other day. Right now in America, this is a big phenomenon. People are, you got, you got pastors now trying to pastor churches and I pastor in three cities. I pastor in, in, in California, I pastor in Florida, and I pastor in Michigan. How? How exactly are you doing that? 
This is more about you and your jet setting than actually shepherding God's people. Because that's not your sphere. God doesn't give you more than one sphere. What Paul told the church of Corinth, he said, my hope with you is that as your faith increases, the sphere increases. In other words, he won't have a sphere here and a sphere there. This sphere just increases. I don't know, Pastor. Okay. Jesus told the disciples, when, you, when you, the Holy Ghost comes, you'll be going to be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and almost parts of the world. Right? That's the pattern he gave. That the sphere, the region, got bigger. Not hopping from here to over there to over there. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. God, God will give you a region. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Acts 18. Oh, I know it's good. They ain't saying nothing, but I know it's good. Acts 18. It's the truth anyhow. Acts 18. <clears throat> Verse 1. After these things, Paul departed from Athens and went to Corinth. And he found a certain Jew named Aquila, born in Pontus, who had recently come from Italy with his wife, Priscilla. So Aquila and Priscilla, y'all heard of them? Because Claudius, that's the, the uh, Caesar, the, that's the emperor, rather, uh, had commanded all the Jews to depart from Rome. So he kicking all the Jews out of Rome. And he came to them. So because he was of the same trade, now he's, de he's dealing with Jews now. Paul's back preaching to some Jews. Who's he preaching to? Jews. All right. So because he was of the same trade as being of Aquila and Priscilla, he stayed with them and worked. For by, for by occupation, they were, and Paul was implied, a tent maker. And he reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath and persuaded both Jews and Greeks. So these are Jewish synagogues, but there are Greeks who are trying to come in there too, okay? Now his main target right here is Jews. We just read that. When Silas and Timothy had come from Macedonia, Paul was compelled by the Spirit and testified to the Jews... That Jesus is the Christ. There he is again. Everybody say, there he is again. There he is again. But when they opposed him, who opposed him? The Jews. the Jews. And blasphemed, he shook his garments and said to them, your blood be upon your head. I am clean from now on. From now on. That's it. That's the last straw. I try to be nice and come back over here in this other lane over here. He had already told me my lane was over here. I tried to venture out and cover another lane over here. That's it. I'm tired of y'all. Here he is. Rejection again. But what is the rejection? It's a nudge from God. Get back in your lane. You can preach to everybody, but your lane. You can preach all kind of stuff, but you're lame. See, like I, t I told you before, when I started preaching for most of my preaching career so far, well, career, if you let, let, I'll use that word, I, I, I was preaching all everything. But God just nudged me slowly into this lane, preach prosperity. 
preach faith, yeah. preach the kingdom of God. So now, if I get up here and I'm going to preach eschatology. Y'all know what eschatology is? It's the study of end times. You know, we're going we're gonna to study out the book of Daniel and we're going to study the book of Revelation. I'm going to try to explain eschatology to you. Y'all, I'm going to be preaching and doing the best I can. I'm going to be sweating and not even moving. I'm just going to be, you know what I'm saying? I'm going to be sweating under my arms and everything. You know that anxiety sweat and everything. I mean, stank sweat. And y'all are going to be like... Why? It's not my lane and it's not yours. Y'all missed that. It's not my lane and it's not yours. See, if it's your lane, he will direct you to a place where they talk about eschatology all the time. So that you can hear that. Because you're not just in there to be fed. You're in there to be fed so you can be equipped to go back out. So because he has you in this place, this is your lane. So the same prosperity anointing that's on my life and Pastor Kim's life is the same prosperity anointing that's now on your life. The same way we're learning and walking in faith, you're learning and walking in faith. The same way we're learning and discovering the kingdom of God, you're learning and discovering the kingdom of God. Because it's not just my lane. It's your lane. And so, I'm just going to help you out this. That's why if you go out there and try to preach other stuff, you're going to struggle too. People call me. Uh, they want me to come over and preach, you know, for their uh, women's conference. You know, praise the Lord. If I preach a women's conference, I'm going to preach about prosperity. I preach about faith. I ain't going to preach about woman down loose. I ain't going to preach that. That ain't, that ain't my lane. I'll let T.D. Jakes have that. That's his lane. He got that cover. He does that well. That ain't my lane. And, and you know, and I'm not knocking him for his lane. God needs that lane. That's why you never judge another man's servant, the Bible says. See, see, that's his region. Oh, you hear what I'm saying to you? That, that's, that's, why, that's why I don't knock people because they don't, they don't preach what I preach. If they preaching eschatology and preaching about, I mean, I need to know that too. I want to know, you know, that's, I'm, kinda in, I'm interested to the point of, okay, okay, that's, that's nice. All right, but uh, when I... This is my lane right here. That's my grace. So... Y'all remember we were talking about the other day, charisma? Yes. Remember that, put that word, that word I sent y'all last week, charisma. Put that up on the screen. Charisma. Compelling attractive, attractiveness or charm that can inspire devotion in others. Presence, personality, force of personality, strength of character, a divinely conferred power or talent. So the charisma God has given me works for preaching prosperity. I don't have eschatology charisma. No. <laughs> I don't have, I don't have um, Old Testament, New Testament survey charisma. Y'all know that by that? That kind of, you know that, you, know, you ever heard this guy, Les, Les Feldick? Feldick? 
He's on CT. He's for years. He's been on chalkboard. Just t to this day. I mean, on TV this day with a chalkboard. Uh, he's just standing there. I mean, he's solid teaching. He's solid teacher. He's got the charisma for teaching. Okay, now Second Kings. Okay, now Third Kings. There's no Third Kings. Now. Um, uh, <laughs> First Chronicles, Second Chronicles, Third Chronicles. I just mess with you. No, no third. I'm, just, I'm not mess with you. But that's his. That's his charisma. Some some guy who has. Okay, for example, uh, y'all remember my, my brother Elder Warren was here. He called me one night. He's so excited and just really he he had a Saul experience. He's so excited and and really just. You ever been excited and speechless at the same time? You got so much to say, but you don't really know what to say at the same time? Because he had just accepted his call to be an evangelist. This was just, just about three weeks ago or something like that, four weeks ago, to be an evangelist. He's like, John, the Lord called me, told me I'm an evangelist. And I was like, duh. I was like, duh. How long is it going to take you to realize that? Every message I've ever heard you preach is an evangelistic message. Everything you always talk about is evangelism. That's all you ever, that's, it's in your genes, it's in your blood. I mean, it's in your DNA. It's, it's, it's the way God formed you. It's, it's, it's what you do. You're programmed that way. So all you did was accepted a call. Okay, now you have this, this office, and I believe in the office of an evangelist. And I'm like, praise God. I knew it, finally. But his charisma carries that. That's not me. I remember we used to go out when we used to church, and we, we used to, man, we used to go, we used to do all kind of outreach and everything as a church. And, you know, I, I'm still good with it. Outreach and everything, and man, get out there and evangelize. I remember the last big one we did, the very last big one we did. Because I'm all over the place, Sister Garrett. I'm preaching everything. And I, I love people and I love souls. And I still love people and I love souls. And I'm, I'm thinking, well, that's the case, man. I'm, I've got to be an evangelist too. And man, I'm up there, we're at Williams Park. I mean, under God's open sky. Everybody in the whole planet can see us. And we're out there, man, we feeding all these people. And we have a service. I'm preaching. And I'm preaching, man. I'm, I'm preaching my evangelistic message. Boom, 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 boom. At the end, I just start crying. <laughs> I'm like... What are you doing? Why are you crying for those people? And I realized this is not my calling. <laughs> Giving my clothes away. I mean, I'm just, because I love people. I want souls saved. And I still want souls saved, you understand? But I realized, wait a minute. I should have had somebody else preach this. This is not my lane. I said, I can't do this no more. And that was the last time. People come past me to go back to doing no, no, you can go back. No. We'll pay for it. I'm gonna preach prosperity and fund it. I'll fund it. 
You go. And see, see, I'm, I'm past time, boy. I, I got, I, I, I'll get into this on Sunday, but let me just talk now. See, what happens is, because I'm in the preaching circle. I used to be really in the preaching circle. I'm not really in the preaching circle no more. But I, I got booted out of the preaching circle. I, I faced rejection. I did. I faced rejection on every side. But all that rejection did was just fine-tune me and focus me in into my lane. But within the circle, what would happen was, if you had a guy who was, he was he's an evangelist. They get mad at you because you're not, you don't evangelize with them all the time. Like, God, that's your calling. I don't get mad at you for not pastoring. So don't get mad at me for not evangelizing like that. That's not my call. Now, I can, as Paul told Timothy, do the work of the evangelist. I can still, when I'm in public, tell somebody about, about Jesus Christ. But this whole thing that y'all do, that you, that you have an anointing for. You have a grace for that. I don't have that grace. Evangelist Ernestine has that grace. That's her call. She's an evangelist. She can probably go get up here and not even open the Bible and get people saved. Me, I got to get up here and say, you know, close your eyes, nobody looking around. You know, if Jesus came tonight, if you got in a car accident, you know, I always got to scare people into getting, into getting saved. If you died tonight, Yeah, they gotta play some soft, you know, them, some of them uh, bad chords. Let's think about, y'all ever heard of a guy named um, uh, Jesse Duplantis? Yes. Jesse Duplantis preaches prosperity, right? He preaches the kingdom of God, but he is an evangelist. This guy will preach and make folk laugh and everything, all the kind of good stuff, but give all to call. And the whole, the whole church comes to get saved. I thought all y'all were saved. Oh, we got saved again. We just want to get saved again. Just want to get... I mean, he don't sweat. He don't do anything. And everybody just come get saved again. That's his lane. So he doesn't pastor. He don't pastor the church. He formed the church, but he don't pass the church. You see? See, so what happens, what I'm saying to you is, is when, you, when you deal with this rejection, and it sounds like a few of y'all have dealt with it in, in various areas, when you deal with this rejection, when you're trying something over here and working something over here, then, then don't, don't despise that. Don't let it frustrate you. Allow it to help focus you into, okay, psh, See, I was trying over here, running, kept, I kept running to a wall here, but when I got over here, boom, smooth sailing. Okay, praise God. Go with that. Go with the flow. Tell your neighbor, go with the flow. Come on, tell them again, go with the flow. Don't stall at the wall. That sounds good. Don't stall at the wall. Go with the flow. You keep running to a wall. And you'll be frustrated, 
tired, I'm burnt out, I want to quit because you, you'll get something that way. That ain't your grace. That ain't your lane. Get over here in your lane and you'll f go with the flow. There'll be a, a grace of God flowing in your life that you'll be able to operate in. And uh, it'll be good. It'll be good. So this is my lane and it's your lane. Some of you, there's an evangelistic calling in your life. Some of you, there's an apostolic calling in your life. Some of you, there's a pastoral calling in your life. Some of you, there's a teacher's calling in your life, whatever the case may be. Whatever it is, you're going to do it within the framework of kingdom, faith, prosperity teaching. That's your lane. You trying to think of, listen, I remember, <laughs> Sister Glory, if you don't mind, I'll share this. I'm, I'm, going, I'm preaching her son's funeral. Y'all remember that? I'm going to be preaching prosperity at her son's funeral. Y'all ain't got to be quiet. I'm, I'm, I'm like, boy, wow, this, this anointing is coming out of me preaching prosperity at her son's funeral. Now, I wasn't talking about, I wasn't preaching about, you know, God wants you rich. I was preaching about the goodness of God. That's prosperity. In a funeral? Most people are going to have you be sad. Well, you know, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. That's not me. That ain't my lane. Sadness and lies is not my lane. My lane is the truth of God's word. Right? So I don't care where I go. That's what I'm going to preach. That's my lane. That's what I'm called to. You get me in a conversation with anybody, that's what I'm going to preach. So I don't have a lot of, because that's not, a, that's not a popular lane, I don't have a lot of preacher friends no more. So y'all are my friends. We're going to be all right. Amen. Y'all receive that. Yeah. Praise God. Give God a big hand of praise tonight if you receive that word. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. I won't get in this. We'll get into it Sunday. By your function, your calling, your grace, and not wasting your time, your talents, and your treasures. Because people, people are good at getting you to waste your time. They're good at getting you to waste your talent. Getting you to waste your treasure on their calling. Because they'll be gung-ho about their calling and think you're supposed to be a part of their calling. And if you don't do my calling, you don't really serve and love God because you're not over here what God has called me to do. You know God has, God has called all of us to do that. No, he didn't call all of us to do that. He called you to do that, homeboy. Go and do it. Thank you, Lord. Now we all work together. Amen. Because we're one body. Many functions. Amen. Father, tonight we thank you for the word. I, I ask you sincerely, Lord, that for each and every one of these, your precious people, including myself, including those who are watching online now and those who may watch at some point later in the future, that we would have 
a similar encounter to that which Paul had. Even though we're born again, God, we want the kind of encounter that will absolutely stop us in our tracks. That will cause us to stop for three days or a day or however long it is and listen and sit with you long enough to be able to identify what our primary calling is. We want to hear you tell us and you'll do it. You don't want us wandering through life, wasting time. We don't have any of your time to waste. So we need perfect direction from you, Lord. So Lord, I'm asking as your servant tonight for these, my family and friends, that God, you would lead us and guide us in the way that we should go, that you would guide us with your eye. Teach us what you'd have us to do, Lord. Show us what our, each and every one of us, our particular lanes may be, what they are, so that we'll fulfill your will, your purpose in our generation, so that, God, we can help you in this, the day of your power. We are volunteers. We are willing in the day of your power. And, God, we are going to help you, Lord, to, to make every one of Jesus Christ's enemies his footstool. Rule in the midst of your people. Send forth a rod out of Zion. Manifest your glory in us and through us, God. Have your way. And I thank you, Lord, that in this lane that we're in, that we're assigned to, that, God, we take no thought for our lives. We cast our cares on you. God, that in, in, this, in this lane that we're assigned to, God, there's no covetousness in us at all. We can't afford covetousness in this lane at all. That's why you had to deal with us on that. So thank you, Lord, that all that mess is gone out of our lives so we can run to win in this lane. That, God, you can use us in this lane to help support all the other lanes. We can support the evangelists. We, we can support those who are called to world missions. We can, call, we can support those, God, who are called to the widows and the orphans. Lord, we, we can support those, God. Along with us, Lord, putting our hands on the plow, God, we can, Lord, Lord help support those who are doing those things, God. Thank you, Lord, that you'll help each and every one of us to know whether it's by, by vision or by dream, by prophetic utterance, God, with you, Lord, show us. Hallelujah. Do for us like you did for, for Moses to have an encounter with you like at the burning bush. Running for 40 years, and after 40 years, you identify his purpose. Thank you, Lord that you'll make it known and clear to us. We receive that and we'll walk in it now. I pray blessing and favor and goodness upon each life as we pursue it and we receive it with thanksgiving. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Put those hands together tonight and give God again one great hand of praise. <laughs> Glory to God. Glory to God. <laughs> Hallelujah. So we'll hopefully finish this up on Sunday. Amen. Amen. Uh, Again, rehearsal on Saturday. What time is that rehearsal? Two o'clock, two, two to three or some, somewhere around about that time. So two o'clock on Saturday, rehearsal of all those who are involved and desire to be involved in the mass choir. They'll be singing on Sunday, Sunday November the 4th, which is our big celebration for our, our uh, anniversary. That same day, we're going to be doing a big uh, reception after service. So we'll, there'll be some food and good goodies here. Uh, after that service on that Sunday. So invite everybody. We're inviting all our past members, all our present members, all our future members uh, to that service on uh, the 4th 
of November. We're having a great time. Sign up for uh, the talent show, uh, give in the uh, Windows campaign. Also, don't forget to order T-shirts. They're coming in pretty fast now, I understand. So get those in there so you'll be ready to represent uh, during that time. Amen? So we look forward to having a great time on this weekend. Come back Sunday. Ready for more? We're excited for what God has in store. Grab somebody's hand next to you. Eagle's Nest tomorrow at what time again is that? 7 o'clock over in Building 2. So all those who serve in Eagle's Nest, come ready to eat and fellowship. Not Eagle's Landing, just Eagle's Nest. Eagle's Landing will be later on when you hit your first year. I think, look forward to that. I didn't realize it had been that long already. So praise God. We thank God for Eagle's Nest and Eagle's Landing. Yes, Lord. (laughs) Thank you, Lord. Amen. Y'all are blessed. Oh, yeah. Y'all are blessed. Stay in your lane. Be about God's business. And watch how God will take care of yours. That's a guarantee. Amen. 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 Father God, thank you again tonight for this time of your presence. I thank you for each person who's been a part of this service. I pray, Father, of tremendous blessings. (laughs) I pray outrageous blessings on your people that will just manifest in our lives that will just Lord just 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 make us happy and happy and happy all over again so happy that God we are enviable that when the world sees us it gives us even opportunity to tell somebody about the goodness of God and the power and the love of Jesus Christ and I pray father that you'll help us all to be lights and mirrors uh, to be lights in this dark world God that reflect the image of Christ and I pray father that people will come to know Jesus Christ through our lives, and through our words. Continue to bless us and keep us in everything that we do and say, and we'll continue to give you praise and honor and glory, we pray in Jesus' name. So be it. Amen. Amen. God bless you. I love you. Have a great night. See you this weekend.